0: You know, I've been around a long time. I know how hard this is. From the political science department at UW-Madison. Am I exasperated? Absolutely, I'm exasperated. I'm Adam Wigger.
1: This country's gone through tough times before, and we're going to do it again.
0: And I'm Sam Beisman. This is more work than in my previous life.
1: I thought it would be easier.
0: And this is 1050 Baskin.
1: On today's episode of 1050 Bascom, we are privileged to have the opportunity to talk to Emilio Giuliani. Emilio graduated from UW-Madison in 2013 with majors in political science, history, and international studies. He also earned certificates in European Studies and Global Cultures. After he graduated, Emilio worked with the Embassy of Iraq in D.C. at the Middle East Institute and then spent five years in Dubai working in education management. Currently, he's pursuing his JD at Arizona State, where he is focusing on international law, and he's interning with an NGO in South Africa called Corruption Watch for the summer. We'll ask Emilio about his time on campus and his fascinating work experience in the Middle East, and we'll also seek his advice for students who might want to follow a similar career path. We've got a ton of interesting stuff to cover today, so let's jump right in. First things first, thank you so much for being with us today, Emilio.
0: Happy to be here. Thanks.
1: Why don't we start broadly and talk about your background and how you chose your majors at UW Madison? You had three majors. You did political science, history, and international studies, and then two certificates in European studies and global cultures. That's a whole bunch of different things. Did you come into your first year with a plan to put all of these pieces together?
0: Uh, In short, not at all. I didn't have a grand plan. I was initially thinking I would do Spanish and history as my majors. So I think officially I was undecided, and after taking one Spanish course, I thought, well, maybe I don't want to pursue you know Spanish as my as my major. Uh, And I did take an introduction to political science course, and instantly fell in love with that and thought, wow, this is this is really appeals to me, and maybe this is the direction I should take. So after taking some more courses in political science, I saw the saw the interaction with international studies and that really appealed to me as well. So I looked at those two majors as kind of my goal. And then I think it was my sophomore or junior year speaking with career services. They said, hey, you you have taken enough history courses to get a history major if you just wanna take another course or two. So I added in the history major as well. And the certificates I took were kind of similar in that my study abroad in Spain Uh, fulfilled a lot of the requirements for those. So I didn't have to take a lot of specific courses for global cultures or for European studies. It kind of fell into place.
1: How did you think about your studies when you were in undergrad in terms of the job market and your direction after college?
0: Honestly, I wasn't thinking too far ahead in terms of, you know, is this the right course for my career path? Or, you know, is this major the best, giving me the best career chances? I honestly thought of it as I want to pursue something that I'm very interested in, that has some applicability outside of the university, and with the help of career services and with the help of being proactive and seeking out internships, I would be able to get the skill set and the background education that I would need for a successful career. So, I think I'm kind of lucky in that sense. I do recommend people look a little forward and I wish I would have taken say statistics class, but I think that I pursued things in the right way for, for my personal goals and it and it worked out.
2: Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your first years out of undergrad. You worked with the embassy of Iraq in DC at the Middle East Institute. How did that come about? And what did you do at the Institute?
0: Yeah. So as an undergrad at Wisconsin, um, I was looking for the, for opportunities to do an internship in DC because I was part of the DC summer program within the political science department. And most other students were interested in doing something on the Hill or something with advocacy, kind of what you would think of in terms of traditional political science, I was more interested in again that kind of intersection between political science and international studies. And so I just started cold calling embassies in DC. So I probably called two dozen embassies from the Italian embassy to the Brazilian embassy and said, "Hey, do you guys take interns?" And the embassy in Iraq picked up and said, "Yeah, sure, call us back in a week and send us your resume." And I called them back a week later, I had one contact, and it was all of maybe two conversations where my supervisor said, yeah, sure, come on down, you know, what date do you want to start, and I'll figure something out for you, whereas many of the other students had very formal structured internships that were either organized by the university or they had personal connections gained through the internship program. So I think, again, I kind of went off on my own in that path, and it, it worked out. I had a fantastic experience at the Embassy of Iraq, to the point that I knew I wanted to come back out to D.C. and pursue something similar. That's where working, interning again for the Middle East Institute came about. After graduation, I moved out to D.C. I lived in a, a very small apartment that I compared to the size of a broom closet, but I absolutely loved it because I was doing substantive research. I was I had a lot of flexibility in what I wanted to look at, and it was all within foreign policy, international studies, and political science. I thought I learned a lot from those experiences that tied really well into my Wisconsin education out there.
1: What were the differences in your experience doing kind of an unstructured, less formal internship program than some of your peers that were doing a very planned internship?
0: I think in my opinion, I had the best of both because I had kind of the structure of the political science you know, summer internship program, whereby we would meet with the other students. I would have a representative from the university who was supporting me. But then within the internship itself, I had incredible flexibility where my supervisor basically said, hey, if there's an event in DC, there's a think tank event. If there's a institute or government event, go to that event, do a brief, and then as long as it relates back in a beneficial way for the, for the embassy, then he, he wants to read it. So I got to do a lot of these events, and I got to do a lot of independent networking as well, and I got to do a lot of, you know, kind of self-motivated projects, which was something I wanted to do. I think a lot of the other students uh, with their programs some of them talked about how they had to you know, man the phones or they were writing constituent letters or these kind of things or grabbing coffee that they didn't like to do. That's something that kind of is, I guess, more common. And it's kind of building your way up and building a rapport with members of Congress and their staff, but that's not what I wanted to do. And I found that my path was a little more jump in head first.
1: That sounds like a great experience. After graduating, you then lived in Dubai for several years, is that right?
0: Correct. So eventually, uh, the unpaid part of the unpaid internships in D.C. caught up to me. I did a stint as a waiter bartender in D.C., which I also found fun, but I really wanted to get back to utilizing my degree, and so I was constantly looking for opportunities in D.C. in particular but I kind of hit a a roadblock and it was hard to find even entry level paid positions. I know one student who worked with me at the Middle East Institute did something like six unpaid internships. And I thought that's not gonna be me. I wanna find something, even if I have to look outside the box again. So through a friend of a friend, I learned about an opportunity in Dubai to become an education consultant. And I don't know about, you know, everybody else here, but I only applied to one school and that school was Wisconsin because I knew I wanted to go to Wisconsin from the outset. And the role of the education consultant was helping international students based in Dubai apply to schools across the U.S., U.K., and Canada. So I was a little intimidated, but I really thought to myself, well, I've got to put my money where my mouth is, and I did this international studies degree, I'm interested in foreign policy. I should take the jump and go out to Dubai to take advantage of this job opportunity. So I I went for it and I didn't know a single person out in Dubai. I had only met my supervisor there for, you know, a handful of interviews. And besides him, I didn't know a single other person in the country. And I'm very glad I took that jump and, and started you know, my career out there.
1: Can I, I just have a quick question. Cause I mean, I get a lot of questions from students who would love to have that potential opportunity. And one thing that comes up for them is the importance of language skills. Did you have a language in your back pocket or did you learn languages along the way, or did that not necessarily fit into what you needed to do to be successful in that way?
0: I think that I lucked out and not needing a language. I have conversational conversational Spanish ability. And I gained that through living abroad in Spain for the study abroad. Um, but that didn't play a part in my move to Dubai as much. Um, I, I have learned a little bit of Arabic. I tried to pick up phrases from Tagalog, from Hindi, from Russian, from everywhere. And I think What's critical is that you have a receptiveness and you have an understanding of differences in language and cultures, but it's not a requirement to become fluent in another language to get a job abroad. That may be true that may not be true for specific countries. And of course, it's an invaluable tool if you can get uh, you know fluency in a language, a working professional uh, capability of a language, but, that's, that wasn't the case for me. I I found a way around that.
2: Great. Thank you. That's, that's helpful. I think there are quite a few students and, you know, fresh graduates that are hoping to get that international internship, um, you know, hoping to get that on their resume. What would your advice be to students looking for that experience?
0: The best advice I can give is really to network and network twice as much and three times as much as you think you're doing now uh, because that's how I found my opportunities from cold calling to talking to your friends and bothering your friends to think about people they may know that have opportunities abroad. And I think in tandem with that would really be utilizing career services at the university or utilizing existing networks in place that you can tap into that may have connections like that. I think that the more research and the more networking that you do, the better your idea of where you ultimately want to go will come to fruition. And it may not be exactly what you're looking for, but finding something that interests you enough that you uh, can you know, put a lot of work into, that is something that can pay off and that can work out, that worked out for me. I didn't go into these opportunities thinking... You know, I want to be an Iraqi ambassador because he can't. I didn't go into Dubai thinking, well, I want to work in education for you know my career because I didn't think of that as something I would be great at or that wasn't something I necessarily looked at. So having an opportunity to kind of pivot or shift somewhat uh, makes a lot of sense. It, in my opinion, I think going from foreign policy focus to international education um, was a reasonable shift that the skills I had between the two were relatable.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So you're now pursuing your JD at Arizona State and focusing on international law. What was that decision like to go to law school after taking a break from your undergraduate? And did you always know that that was the goal or has it evolved?
0: I've always wanted to go to grad school. And I think working in education for several years solidified how valuable education is and interested me in uh, pursuing higher education beyond my undergraduate degree. But I wasn't set on law school up until basically I applied. In terms of making that decision, when I was in Dubai, I kind of hit a ceiling because I jumped through a lot of different roles at my previous employment at Canadian University Dubai. So after one year of admissions, uh, admissions consulting with a small company, I jumped over to the university and there I did admissions kind of from a you know institution standpoint, and I also did international recruitment and I did a lot of administrative work as well. So from those opportunities, I became a manager. I had a team that I was in charge of, and I was doing a lot of really exciting, really engaging things. But at the end of the day, I kind of saw a ceiling that, and I was being told, you know, unless you have a graduate degree, you're not gonna move above this kind of manager level. You're not gonna become a director. You're not gonna become, you know, lead a department itself. I'm only gonna be able to manage teams within a larger department. So I saw that as as an opportunity and I looked at how the university was doing and I stuck it out for four years there and ultimately decided, hey, now's the time I could come back to the States. I can get the degree, a law degree, which looking at law, I didn't even think I have to be a lawyer. I still think you know there's a chance I get a law degree and I can go back out and potentially work with the same institution or work, with, work in a similar capacity. So having the flexibility of a law degree, which can teach a lot of writing, critical thinking skills, a lot more than is just, you know, litigation in a domestic US setting, I think is one thing that really appealed to me. And so I compared between the MBA and the JD and other master's programs, and given like the networking I've been doing over, over my career, that's what pointed me most towards the law degree. And that's, I'm happy to be where I am now.
2: This summer, you're going to be working with an NGO in South Africa called Corruption Watch. Maybe tell us a little bit about Corruption Watch its goals and missions. And essentially what are you going to be up to this summer?
0: Sure. So I'm very excited to be part of Corruption Watch for the summer. This will be a legal internship where I'm supporting a small team and basically, I've only been working there a week, but the goal is to investigate, bring attention to, and ultimately hold corrupt actors and institutions accountable within South Africa. And basically, since in the past 10 or so years, South Africa has seen, unfortunately, a downturn in terms of their soundness of institutions and the political issues in the country have have only increased. So... There's been a lot of controversy and there's been a lot of political infighting, if you will, that I'm only scratching the surface of now, but I'm excited to delve a little bit more into to support a team in terms of actually levying lawsuits against individuals and institutions that are misusing funds or uh, misappropriating their their abilities and their, their roles.
1: That sounds like such a cool opportunity, and we would love to talk to you more about how that goes at a later time here. But for now, let's track back to some advice you might have for students who would be interested in a career path that's similar to the one you've been successfully pursuing. What kinds of things did you do outside the classroom during your time at UW that you think helped you with respect to your success on the job market? Or it might be something you did outside of school completely.
0: Yeah, I think that pushing myself to go outside my comfort zone in a lot of ways helped me to end up networking more, building more connections, and finding more opportunities that I otherwise would not be aware of. So I tried to find people who thought differently than I did. You know, growing up in a, a suburban kind of setting in Minnesota can be very different from friends from the West Coast, friends from the East Coast. And I think that that is something that really drew me into, again, international studies, because I was drawn to how different the perspectives of international students were at Wisconsin. So I spent a lot of time making friends with international students from, from France, from Spain, from the UK, from, from all over the place. And that made me think you know, where, is, where are these opportunities between the US and other countries? And why is that something we don't hear that much about? Because in an increasingly interconnected world, that's going to be increasingly important. So my advice on top of networking would really be put yourself outside your comfort zone, look for opportunities and be open to opportunities that, that may not necessarily be your first choice. And I think really to, to look at the academic effort you're putting forward. And then think about how much of that is directly related to your career goals. And think about spending time towards your kind of career opportunities as a separate pursuit in and of itself. Because there's definitely overlap between the academics and the career opportunities, but there's definitely separations there as well. So I would encourage students to focus on the career side of things earlier in their undergraduate careers because it's increasingly more competitive. And networking is one great way that can, that, that can happen.
2: It started early, yeah. Um, what other advice do you have for students hoping to distinguish themselves from other graduates, say from top colleges and universities? I think we've all had that experience where we realize that our high GPA, our you know, our degrees just sometimes aren't enough. Um, what what can students, what can we do to help put ourselves over the top?
0: I think that one thing you can do is to look at what you're most interested in and do more research and more exploration in terms of finding the niche that you want to fill. Um, students, especially in political science, you know, it's not like there's X many jobs out there for political scientists. So, and likewise, most students and don't go to college to become an education consultant or an admissions consultant in Dubai. I mean, that's not something I planned on ever happening when I was in high school, especially. It kind of fell into place for me. So looking at where your interests lie and then where the job market is looking for applicants, Finding the intersection of those two can be very important, and that can be something that helps you understand better what you're looking for and help you work towards that career job that you want. I would be remiss to say, especially as a law student, that high GPA uh, is still important, but it's less important than you think when it comes to, again, spending that time looking at career opportunities. You want to do both but you can find your way through your own balance and you shouldn't worry too much about you know 0.1 or 0.01 GPA points versus that networking opportunity that could lead to a job in and of itself.
1: I think you started to touch on this earlier. There's a lot of students that ask what skill set they should be bolstering as an LNS student? Were there things that you wish you had worked on more or taken different classes to help in some of those hard skills that you found you were using once you entered an internship or an actual job?
0: Definitely. I think, you know, looking back, if I were to do some things differently, I may have taken some more business management courses, some more courses in statistics. I'm definitely afraid of math and science, like hard science, like I'm sure many humanities students may be. But don't be afraid to take some of those courses. I think that looking at law school and looking at the job market today, students who have the critical thinking skills, the adaptability, the flexibility from an LNS degree who also have some competency and some familiarity with engineering concepts or science concepts or, or statistics. That's a killer combination that is really in demand. Because there's a lot of students who go strictly in the kind of STEM route and may not have those soft skills that an LNS degree provides. And then many students go, you know, in an LNS route and, and they shy away from the kind of STEM classes. So if you can find a bridge between those two, that's invaluable for employers and that's going to make you stand out in a very, in a very critical way.
2: What are some things you wish someone had told you? when you were in college that you think might be useful for students in general?
0: I think it was told to me, but I think one important thing to remember is not to stress so much in the moment about your career and stress so much about where am I going to be in five years? Where am I going to be in 10 years? Part of the process is the process itself and figuring things out along the way. And Although I didn't take those statistic classes or I didn't take those business classes in undergrad, I have the opportunity to take them now in law school in a legal setting. And I also had opportunities when I was abroad to gain those same same skills in a very different context. So my advice to myself, or I wish somebody would have told me to not feel like you're limiting yourself by choosing one option over the other, because Those options may open up again later, and there may be more opportunities that you find even more intriguing or you find more exciting.
1: This is a very broad question, but do you have a favorite experience that you had in the years out of your undergrad that really helped you direct your path?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. When I first got to Dubai and I was sitting in a hotel in a country, you know, halfway across the globe, I didn't know anybody there. Couldn't talk to anybody back in the States because of the time difference. And I was watching subtitled like wrestling on the, on the hotel screen. I just had kind of like a self-questioning moment where I was like, am I crazy for going into this? You know, I, I haven't even met my boss yet. I don't know what my first day is gonna be like. Am I gonna be good at this job? Um, am I gonna like it here in Dubai? And I mean, I, I knew I didn't like the part walking two blocks in 120 degree heat to get groceries. But at the end of the day, I thought, you know what, this is the adaptability and the flexibility kind of skills I've, I've gained that I can put into practice and I can make it happen. And I had enough confidence in myself that, Hey, I'm going to make mistakes along the way. I'm going to make some cultural faux pas, or I'm going to, just mess up an assignment or, or or what have you. But at the end of the day, if you have a positive attitude, if I have the kind of drive to be successful and to help others, which is what the goal is in education in particular, then I'm going to be able to find my way sooner or later, even if it's not a straight line path between undergrad to DC to Dubai to law school. It's a very convoluted path for most people. And being able to stick it out and being able to overcome those moments of self-doubt is something that I hold very important to myself. And I think if I could get through that, then there's a whole lot of other things I can get through.
1: I think that's a great little piece of advice. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you think we should or anything you'd like to say to our audience?
0: Sure. I would say... I would encourage students and listeners to also consider volunteering opportunities, to consider philanthropic opportunities. I was very fortunate in my undergrad to be a part of a fraternity that was restarting. And basically we had almost no kind of direction. Uh, Again, we were very much self-motivated in putting a fraternity back together. And I was voted in as the philanthropic chair After, I think the first semester, we had our previous philanthropic chair set up maybe four events. And I thought, hey, this is my first leadership opportunity in, you know, undergraduate and I should jump at it. So over the course of one academic year, I put together about 40 philanthropic events for the fraternity. We volunteered several thousand hours and raised a lot of money for Uh, Ski for Cancer, which is Theta Chi's largest charity. And I felt that was an incredibly fantastic opportunity to try something new and to give back to the community, given how lucky I am to be able to be uh, an undergraduate student at Wisconsin at the time. So that opportunity and being able to give back was both a learning opportunity for me, and I felt that it was a great opportunity to motivate others to to support our communities in need and to help those communities in need directly as well. And after, after that, I've moved on to volunteer with Crisis Text Line. And I've personally volunteered over a thousand hours over the past couple of years with them. And it's an absolutely rewarding experience supporting individuals in crisis across the country. Uh, I believe that having something Where you can give back, especially if you're in the position to do so, even if it's not financially or monetarily, but giving your time and giving some of your brain power or some of your ideas to, to philanthropic or volunteer experiences is something that maybe people think about in the background, especially in college. But that's something that I found incredibly enriching for so many other parts of my career, my personal life and myself as an individual. So I encourage people to look at those kind of opportunities and find something that you enjoy doing that's helpful to others, and you will be rewarded for it, potentially more than the people you're intending to help.
2: We're gonna wrap this up with the final final question that we try to ask all of our guests, but it's been a challenging year and a half in a lot of ways. Um, what is something that makes you hopeful about the future?
0: I think that looking at global trends, if you look at the big, you know, the big button issues, there's always going to be big button issues, and we talk about we can talk about COVID, we can talk about international issues in particular. But at the end of the day, I see the the U.S., I see the international community, I see people as a whole moving in the right direction. And that makes me optimistic. I think that if we as individuals and we within our communities have positive attitudes and we're willing to put ourselves out there and help out uh, others who are in need, that will move us to where we want to go. And there's always going to be unexpected challenges and there's always going to be new obstacles and you know, you may be in a situation where you're in Uzbekistan, where you're the only American and you're the only person who's not a Russian speaker. But if you have the right attitude, you can find a way through that. And if I could survive through some crazy times in Uzbekistan, then I think there's a lot more great opportunities ahead. And I'm excited to be a Wisconsin alumni, I'm excited to be a law student at ASU. And I'm looking forward to what's next in, in my career and my studies and, and everything else. That
1: is a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Emilio, again, for being with us on 1050 today. And we would love to have you back sometime in the future.
0: For more information about 1050 Bascom, visit polisci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. Ten Fifty Bascom is edited by Adam Wigger and Sam Beisman, produced by Amy Gangle, and recorded remotely. For now.